listening to Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker. David, this is what he says in Psalm 73, verse 12. He says, look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I, did I run after Jesus? Did I give my life to Jesus? Did I get baptized? Did I um, forsake the world? Did I fight temptation for nothing? I mean, I, I didn't lie on my tax returns and so I, I, I had to pay the government. If I lied like these other guys did, I would probably get some money. If I, if I just didn't use people and abuse people, it looks like I would have furthered myself. And David feels that way. He says, man, did I protect my heart and keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Amen? Look at verse 17. He says, Then I went into your sanctuary. And folks, believers, I want to tell you, man, you will never find purpose and meaning in your suffering. If you're looking to others, if you're looking to sinful people and wicked people to find your bearings, your sense of normalcy, you need to go into the sanctuary of God. You need to go meet with your creator, the one that made you, the one that knitted you, the one that has a plan for you. Sinful people, it looks like they're getting ahead. And even David fell for that. And you and I will fall for it too. I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Oh, I hope you and I do. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. Do you remember uh, Joseph in the Old Testament? He was thrown in the pit. And for sure, it looked like his brothers were actually more blessed than he was when he was in the pit. When, when, when Joseph was sold as a slave, he was in Potiphar's house and he was wrongfully accused when he didn't. He kept his heart pure. Like David says, I protected myself. I kept myself pure. I didn't indulge. I didn't give into any sort of pleasure. I fled from evil. But it looks like the wicked are succeeding and the, and the, and the godly people are the one that's being put down. What is happening, God? But you need to know that all throughout Joseph's life, he had the call of God and the hand of God in his life. Even in the pit, God was with him. In the prison, God was with him. Even when he was sitting on the throne next to Pharaoh, God was with him. And David over here, he gets it. And I hope you and I get this. He says, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Question for you and me, when God looks at you, does he laugh at your dreams? Does he laugh at your like it says in the book of James, I will go tomorrow, I will do this, I will do that. Or like that foolish man in Jesus' parable, I will build bigger barns. And I will say to myself, eat, drink and be merry and enjoy this life. If God looked at your life and what you are chasing after, the satisfaction and contentment you're chasing after, is he going to laugh at you and say, you silly fool? Are you trading your soul for the wealth of this world? Look at how David ends the psalm. And I hope that this is where our heart is. Psalm 73 verse 26, my health may fail. <laughs> Amen. Could you say that? Because with this threat of disease around, it sure smells and looks and sounds like we're living in the last days. Can you say with all your heart, with all your soul, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Not the riches, not the work that I do to find contentment, not trying to distract myself of the drudgery of life, but God, He alone will be the strength of my heart. Work without worship is meaningless. Satisfaction without worship is just an illusion. Without a healthy perspective on eternity, you will not find any satisfaction in this life if what you indulge in 
doesn't draw you to Jesus, it will eventually lead to frustration. You need to get this. Whatever you indulge in, in fact, your homework for this week, as you quarantine and stay away, every time you do something, I want you to ask yourself, is this making me fall deeper in love with Jesus? If it's not, don't do it. It's not worth it. I beg you, don't do it. Repent from it, in fact, because those things will easily become your God and will not just promise you satisfaction. It will enslave you and ensnare you and then bring you down to the depths of depression. Man, this is something that I need to walk with. Every time I take my eyes off eternity, guess what? I'm depressed. I'm down. And, and it's hard to shake that off. I need to get back to God. You be the strength of my heart. Even if my spirit and my heart is faint and grows weary, you be my strength, Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11 says, the word of the wise are like cattle prods. See, this is how it ends. This is how the book ends. This is how Ecclesiastes ends in chapter 12. Like I said, we're going verse by verse. We're going to hit all the verses in the book, but we're going to jump around, okay? It's good for you to know how this book ends. He says, the words of the wise are like cattle prods. You like being poked, stabbed? And those little, you know, things in the back that, that hurt a lot. My wife does that when she wants to get my attention. Oh man, I hate it. Because... It hurts and tickles at the same time. You don't know whether to laugh or cry. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. The collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick. Hmm. How do you like that? They're like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives a sheep. This is the last thing I want you to know. Fear, failure, and frustration is meant to draw you to Jesus, not away from him. I want you to know that Jesus doesn't drive you to himself, okay? No, no, he's not a slave driver. He's not a taskmaster. He uses fear, failure, and frustration. And today's world, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of sense of failure. There is a lot of frustration. And God is able to use this to draw you to himself. You see, a shepherd doesn't have a stick to harm the sheep and some people say that a shepherd will break the sheep's feet that's actually that's wrong that's not right at all a shepherd will use a nail studded stick to guide the sheep because it's fur is thick like you and me our skulls are thick we're kind of thick and God sometimes needs to use means to be able to get our attention you know in fact a different translation of the same verse in Ecclesiastes 12 1 it says that there's one shepherd who gives us his wise, wise words. And many scholars believe that Solomon is looking forward to the Messiah, the good shepherd, Jesus, who will come, who will be wiser than Solomon, smarter than Solomon. Solomon can give us words of wisdom to live here in this life. Jesus comes to help us find meaning in everything else above the Son. When we look to the Son of God himself, he's the good shepherd. And, and Jesus uses our fear, our failure, our frustration to draw us to him, not away from him. I hope that by now you recognize and realize and are humbled at the fact that life really is pointless without an eternal perspective. If this world was a full stop for life, if this is where it all ended, this time that we go through right now with this disease, with this virus, it makes no sense. If this world was the full stop, whatever we go through, our struggles that we go through, it makes no sense. Why are we even trying to fight it? Mind you, we'll just die and go ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But the Bible says, the Bible says, the word of God says that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My life right now can have purpose and meaning if I keep eternity in perspective, in view. And the minute you lose that perspective, the very next second, you're going to be depressed. 
and you will search for satisfaction in all the wrong things. They will enslave you, ensnare you, and draw you down. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. This is what he says. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. This is how Solomon's going to conclude this book. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Fear God, obey his commands, this is everyone's duty. Have an awe and a reverence for what God has to say and do it. Fear is not about being frightened of God. Fear is about step on it with caution, with cautious uh, care. It's like you wouldn't go touch a live wire. Why? Because it will zap you. It doesn't mean that we don't want electricity in our homes. We want electricity. We, we like having electricity. God's commands, treat it with caution. Treat it with care. You need it. You, when God says don't, he says it because he loves you. And he uses the fear that's around. He uses the frustration that's around. He uses our failures around to draw us to him so that we can hold on, hold fast to his commands, love and cherish his commands, and then obey his commands. And, and the Bible says that this is everyone's duty. Verse 14, he says, God will judge us for everything we do including every secret thing, whether good or bad. I'll tell you this. Jesus knows something, okay? Maybe you never stopped to ponder this, but Jesus knows that you have failed. You don't need to hide it. You don't need to act like you've never failed. You don't need to act like you've made your little passions your, your idols. You don't need to... Jesus knows. He knows that you're running after things. He knows what things you're running after. He knows the, the, the thoughts in your head that's wrong. And Solomon might have had thousand wives, but you know... We've lusted after more than 1,000 people, if you're really being honest. God knows, Jesus knows that. He knows that you failed. This is important, folks. We're bringing it down to a close. Give me five minutes and we'll close you soon. He knows you failed. And he also knows that there's a final judgment coming. I mean, how does he know that there's judgment coming? Because he himself is going to be the judge. He knows you failed in trying find, finding contentment in this life, satisfaction in this life. You've run after other things. You've made other things your idols, your gods. And you're never going to find contentment and satisfaction in this life. He knows that. There's a judgment coming because he's going to be the judge. But he just doesn't leave you to hang in the balance of your own drudgery and monotony of life. He enters into the world. He lives in the world that is cursed. He comes into the world as man, flesh and bones, and sets an example for us showing that contentment is not found in houses, it's not found in cars or camels, or a following. Contentment is not found in a relationship. It's not found in marriage. It's not found in children. It's not found in education. It's not found in anything that this world can give us. Please listen to me. True contentment in life can only come when you visited the cross on which Jesus died. Because it's only over there you are acknowledged. Yes, you are acknowledged at the cross. Because on that cross when Jesus died, he died for you. Only on that cross will you be acknowledged. Only on that cross will you find the fullness of joy. Only at that cross, because at that cross, he made it possible for you to enter into his presence by this fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures for how long? Forevermore. Only at the cross will you find your worth. Not by the jobs that you do, not in the relationships you're in, only at the cross. If you're trying to find your worth in anything else, you're going to be lost. Solomon says that there's nothing new under the sun. I don't mean to contradict what Solomon is saying, but I want you to know that we are now living in the time of grace where there can be something new under the sun. 
Yes, there can be something new under the sun right here, right now. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? He is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, this, this promise is for everybody. If you're in India, if you're in Australia, if you're in a Muslim country, if you grew up as a Hindu, if you grew up as a Muslim, if you are homosexual, if you are white and black and liberal or whatever you are, man. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yes, there is nothing new under the sun, but Jesus at that cross where he died, he made it possible for something new to happen under the sun because the S-O-N, Son of God, came into the world, died on the cross and can make you a son of the living God. What a beautiful joy is that. In this monotonous life, we find joy and pleasure and acknowledgement at that foot of the cross. We can now be a new creation. Yes, something new can happen under the sun if we recognize the Son of God. This is then how I want to conclude before we pray. Life will have its ups and downs. That's how life is. There'll always be work that needs to be done. There'll always be dishes that needs to be done, laundry that needs to get done, haircuts and mowing the lawn and fixing your car and whatnot. But even in these mundane things, we have the joy of seeing purpose and meaning in our life because we're not looking, at, looking for satisfaction in the things that we do because we've already found our satisfaction in Jesus. Have you found that satisfaction in Jesus? If you've not, this morning, I want you to come face to face at that foot of the cross. And say, God, forgive me for running after other things to find satisfaction. Forgive me, Jesus. I want to look to you. I want to look at your nail-pierced hands. And everything I do in this life, I want it to only draw me closer to you. And that's what it means in Romans chapter 12 when it says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. That's your spiritual act of worship. When you go about the mundane things, you will see that those are things that you get to enjoy when you get the fruit of your labor, when you see your kitchen clean, when you see the laundry done, when you see the lawn freshly mowed, you'll get to thank God for the opportunity that he's given you to be able to have the blessing in this life and not look for those things for you to find contentment. When we found our ultimate satisfaction in Jesus, the day in and day out things will not be the things that assign and ascribe worth to us. It'll be just Jesus. I want to pray for you now now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, abide and unite you with Jesus now and always in Jesus name Amen 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 That's all the time we have for today but we would like to hear from you Our address is PO Box 2014 Eagle Idaho 83616 you can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 